You're listening to A Little Bit Better, a podcast where we talk about how breaking goals into small steps can lead to big results. Here we'll examine the cause and effects of our thoughts, our actions, and inactions, and how they influence how we live our lives. I'm your host, Chris Swale, a life and health coach. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome back to A Little Bit Better, the podcast. I'm your confidence coach and host, Chris Swale. So, what's on your mind today? What's on mine? Thought work. Today, we're going to jump into examining what thought work is and why you should care about it. Are you ready? Let's go. The term thought work sounds kind of lame and boring, but it has incredible benefits and results. I find it so fascinating, not to mention completely game-changing. Thought work is being very aware of your thoughts so you can choose which ones to have rather than letting them have a free-for-all in your brain. Think of it like someone dropping an overflowing box of marbles into your brain. Thought work rounds them up, puts the good ones neatly back in the box, and discards the unwanted ones. This work lets you take ownership of your life and how you regard it all. Your situations, your relationships, your circumstances, and just the world in general. So, Back up then. What are thoughts? Thoughts are the stories we tell ourselves about everything. Everything. Humans have done this forever. Brené Brown in her book, Rising Strong, says, Storytelling helps us all impose order on chaos, even emotional chaos. When we're in pain, we create a narrative to help us make sense of it. This story doesn't have to be based on any real information. I love that. We have thoughts about ourselves, others, places, foods, living creatures, why are puppies cute and spiders hideous? Those are just thoughts. We have thoughts about situations, institutions, cultures, and abstract concepts like governments. When you understand that you are in control of your thoughts and it's your thoughts that evoke or create your feelings, you realize that you can actually control your feelings. What? right? Yes, your thoughts and feelings are the stories you tell yourself. And that, my friend, dictates how you see yourself and view the world. Maybe a wee bit significant then? Yeah. You can live in more peace simply by looking at your thoughts. When you are able to recognize that you are imposing what is good and bad in yourself and others and the world, you can start to pull judgment out of the equation and insert curiosity instead. Curiosity opens a door for growth. When you look at things and people with curiosity, you see much more than your tunnel vision first shows. It lets you consider the why of the situation with more objectivity, which also means that you can look at things with less stress and negative emotion. You might not like a situation or what someone said or did, but you might be able to understand why it happened or was said or done. If you allow yourself in, you will also understand and dig up why you do the things that you do. This can be scary. I've got to pull the V word out here on you. You have to get vulnerable. It's quite easy to slide into criticism and judgment when you get vulnerable with yourself. But being aware that you are doing the work will help remind yourself to simply stay curious. Extract the why behind an action or thought. And if you don't like it, you'll have a better idea on how to gently move to correct it. 
You can use thought work for self-improvement if you so desire. You can use it to forgive yourself too. Being curious and uncovering the why with openness, not judgment, and then releasing it is incredibly powerful. Another place it's profoundly powerful is in your relationships. You have a relationship on some level or another with every single person you come in contact with, and sometimes even with people indirectly. If you have a disagreement or a perceived hurt, you know, when you feel slighted or that someone is wrong, you immediately point fingers. Human nature tends to the point fingers first, ask questions later approach. But every single relationship has two people, you and the other person. And every person has a unique story and by association, a unique way of viewing the world. So there are always two different stories in each relationship, in each situation, in each relationship. The thoughts and feelings that you attribute to the relationship are yours and yours alone. Sometimes the two stories are so similar that they seem like one story until that moment when there is a riff. Have you ever had a falling out with someone that you thought you knew inside and out? Someone who was so similar to you, holding your values, and there hadn't been any ripples until that point. It can hurt a lot, right? You may have even felt blindsided or shocked. You might say to them, I don't even know who you are anymore, or at least you may feel that way. The reason it can hurt so much is because you thought your stories were the same. And many, many of your stories probably were and still are. But just one rock can redirect the flow of water. So if one thread of your story, one rock is different, it can lead to a difference of opinion, attitude, or behavior. Everyone has their own experiences, thoughts, and feelings about all things, people, and events. Even those things that you go through together. Their thoughts and story may end up being different than the person they went through it with. Back to having this argument with a loved one. How fabulous does it feel when you talk an argument out and gain insight and understanding about why the other person felt or acted a certain way? When it ends in peace and hugs, it feels like that heavy cloak of hurt flutters away into the wind. But the thing you were upset about didn't change. Just your thinking about it did. Do you see? You might adore someone but have one thing you don't like about them. That's not their fault. Even when that thing feels bad or unforgivable, it's only your story about that thing that person does or says. I love and hate this concept. I love it because I know I see how true it is. And I hate it because when I catch myself disliking someone or something, I know that the truth is it's just my story that's leading that thought. Thought work empowers you. It doesn't make life one big field of sunshine and roses. It's not like, okay, I'm going to think the best about everyone and everything and then I'll be happy all the time. No, sorry. It empowers you with awareness. It affords you to look inwards and figure out what's going on, what's triggering a negative thought or emotion, and then it gives you choice. You can choose not to like something. In fact, it would be odd in many circumstances if you didn't choose to dislike something. There are quote-unquote bad things that happen in the world. You don't need to do thought work on all these awful things to try to like them or to see them in a positive light. I do not like, nor am I happy, that my dad passed away last year. I choose to not like that one little bit, and I would not even try to change my thoughts on that. I am sad. I miss my dad. I wish he was still here. And I'm choosing 
to stay in that. I'm choosing those thoughts because they feel like the right thoughts to me. It would be weird if I were happy about his death. And so I choose and allow myself to feel grief. I feel love in the grief and I can laugh and smile from the happy memories, but it's mostly sad for me and I'm okay with that. The world is full of happiness and anger, wonder and frustration, peace and sorrow, all the feelings. And you can choose which ones to apply and when. When you have the awareness and the ability to own your feelings and decide if you are okay with the ones you're experiencing, it's like a weight comes off. If you're not okay with how you feel, you can start doing the thought work and taking little steps to change how you think and feel. I think I've said this before. I don't believe that life is supposed to be happy all the time. And when you can release that expectation that it is, you can also release the pressure and the wildly unrealistic expectations of making it that way from yourself. You can stop failing at life. You can give yourself permission to have positive and negative thoughts and emotions. It's a big weight off. When you can do that work, you can stop fighting everything. You don't have to fight all the negativity in the world. There is negativity in the world. There always will be. There are things that you can lump into a category of, that's a bad thing. So it baffles me a little bit when people think that the world is supposed to be happy and good all the time. Why would we think that? It existed here before we did with its floods and volcanic eruptions and wildfires and all the things that we may say are bad because they can hurt and kill us and destroy other animal and plant life. But they are just things that happen and it's us that assign them as being good or bad. That's not an anti-religious thing. Many people hold that God or the universe or whatever thing you might believe in, which is greater, gives you challenges so you can rise and grow. I certainly say it with my clients that it's okay to have and feel bad things. We can truly feel the good ones because we feel the bad ones. Without bad feelings, we'd have nothing to compare it to. So how would we ever actually experience real joy? Doing thought work is giving yourself the power to decide how you feel about everything. It allows you to resolve conflict faster and more peacefully. This can work with another person simply by holding a very open conversation without judgment. Or it can happen simply within you. The other person doesn't even need to be involved. How powerful is that if you can get through it, forgive, move on, without even having to go back and bring things up with the, with another person. I mean, most of us don't want to stay in a place of conflict, right? Sometimes you might, yes, for sure. You might know and have your reasons and they may be worth it for you. But again, that's choice, right? You get to choose that. But in general, I'll bet you'd rather not sit in states of conflict. It feels yucky. So if you can do the work to push you through conflicts or negative relationships and situations, you gain the power to make choices around them. You might decide that a relationship is not worth holding on to anymore. You can't change others, only yourself and your thoughts and feelings. Sometimes you'll do the work and instead of trying to change a negative thought to a positive one, you gain the clarity that it's actually time for action, time for movement in your life. These are the aha moments. And they are so freeing. 
Another benefit of thought work is that it can turn a bad day or situation into a not-as-bad-day or situation. Sometimes good comes out of perceived bad situations. Often you can't see it right away in the moment, and sometimes you carry a bad day or a situation with you for days or months or even years. So reflecting on it can bring the good to the light. An obvious, if touchy example, is losing a job. I have a client who was let go from her job, and she was devastated as one would probably be. She hadn't seen it coming. She described her headspace as if she walked into a storm for several months, feeding herself all the negative self-talk, feeling like such a failure. After a few months, she had a conversation which led her to a new job opportunity. Now she is in a role that she loves, making more money with room to move up, and she is happy. She told me that she didn't even know she actually wasn't happy at her old job before she was let go. She had been there for so long, had hit a ceiling, and the general work environment was pretty dismal, but it was what she knew. It was income and it was security. She looks back now at being restructured as the best thing that could have happened, but in the moment, it was awful. You are responsible for your own happiness. No one else is, just you. We love and want to blame other people when we aren't happy. How convenient is is it to say, well, so-and-so said this or did that. It's her fault that I'm mad. They might have done or said something, but in the end, it's all about how you receive it. Certain words said to you might hurt, but they can only hurt you if you choose to let them. You don't have to allow or accept those words. That is on you. That's not to say it's easy. It's not, okay, I'll do a bit of thought work and then I'm set for life. Yeah, no, it's not. Thought work is simply a tool which you can apply to situations throughout your life. It is work. Sometimes it can take a lot to talk myself out of feeling sorry for myself still, but it's definitely getting easier. An unexpected bonus is that it also becomes easier to truly not give a crap when people say negative things to you. You don't feel the negative effects of a person's words, or at least not as harshly. It gets easier to just not care about or entertain people who are not in your court. If someone says something to cut you down, so what? That's on them. They might have a lot of stuff going on and try to make themselves feel better by bringing you down. That has nothing to do with you. It's all on them and whatever is going on within them. If you allow their words to stop you from doing what you want to do, going after your goals or being who you want to be, then it's on you. That's you giving away your power. And for what? It's such a common thing people do, this bringing down and allowing yourself to be brought down. It's often well-intentioned. People who love you can be the worst offenders. They love you. They don't want to see you fail or get hurt. They think they are protecting or saving you. So people might say, oh, you shouldn't apply for that. Or, yeah, it's not a bad idea, but it's so much work and surely someone else is already doing it. They try to talk you out of the things that would make you step outside of their story of you. They might talk you out of writing that book, starting a business, changing careers, and I don't know, maybe even things like having more kids. For some reason, people think they seem to think they can tell others when and how many kids they should have. If you don't want to have kids, that's up to you. If you want to have six kids, that's up to you. No one else's opinion, besides your partner's, I guess, in that case, matters. But men in that area in particular, it's a free-for-all. I feel like there's so much judgment for people who have zero kids or more than three, and it boggles my mind. Why does anyone care how many kids anyone else has? 
It's not up to anyone else to decide how big of a family any other person can or should have or their sex. My kids in birth order are boy, boy, girl. When I had my first son, and actually even when I had them both, I can't tell you the number of times people told me I should have another baby so I could have the girl. Well-intentioned or not, other people's words can stop you in your tracks unless you apply your superpower of thought work. Being aware of the words of others halting your progress or dreams is step one, and then looking inside you to see if or why those words matter so you can decide to release or heed them is step two. Another example is weight loss or anything that can change your identity or description. When overweight people lose a significant amount of weight, often it's their family and friends who don't actually support them. In fact, loved ones are notorious for trying to sabotage you. In the case of weight loss, it might be that they encourage you to have more helpings or to eat dessert or unhealthy foods that you haven't been eating. And why? It's the other person's discomfort about your change and how that makes them feel. Changing your identity, losing weight, changing your diet, changing careers even can come along with a loss of some of your relationships. It doesn't have to, but it is quite common because when you make significant changes to your lifestyle, you are changing your identity. You're changing who you are, part of your story. When you no longer fit the story that you held of yourself and that others held of yourself, it actually can change your social circles, your social scene. Thought work helps you move forward despite other people's opinions, including your own limiting beliefs. It allows you to shed the burden of your own and other people's words. And on the flip side, if you catch yourself, and you will once you become a regular at this, trust me, if you catch yourself not saying kind or encouraging things to yourself or others, you can take the time for reflection. Do the work on yourself to find out what is triggering you from someone else's goals, changes, or successes. What might be out of balance within you? I have a client who has a husband who she feels is very grumpy. He brings his negative moods home from work and it feels loud. It fills their home and it makes her feel small and then she feels angry. He'll pry and nitpick about what she did during the day and about the state of cleanliness in their house. She would tell him to stop being so angry and grumpy and inevitably they would fight. Once she started doing deliberate thought work on this, she realized that his moods and behaviors had nothing to do with her. He was choosing to be in a foul mood, but she didn't have to reciprocate. It didn't change how he acted and behaved, but she changed her reaction to his mood. She stopped telling him to change and decided not to take on his negativity. She learned to deflect and redirect. She will often say, that's too bad you feel that way. Oh, our kid had this great new experience, and she'll sprinkle in a positive story. The last time we spoke, she updated me that he now has changed. He has been coming home with less anger, and she attributes this to her thought work. She decided it wasn't about her. She stopped engaging with his negativity, and in turn, he has noticed her positivity and is reciprocating that. How incredible is that? She stopped trying to change him. And once she did that, he made the positive change as needed. You can't change other people. You can only change yourself and they can only change themselves if and when they want to do it. Have you ever tried to do something that someone else pushed you to do that you really didn't want to do and perhaps you failed? 
when you don't want to do something, it's not going to it's not going to resonate with you and you won't feel the motivation and the real desire to make the change. If a goal isn't yours, if it's not your why, you don't have the impetus to go get it. We all operate best in our own whys, which is why we can't change others. So even if something is in someone's best interest to do or change, your opinion doesn't matter. And the same equation happens when others are trying to get you to make changes that don't resonate with you. I'm not saying to never ask, value, or follow anyone else's opinions. It's just knowing if and why other people's opinions matter and deciding if that resonates with you and supports your why. You can choose to accept or let them go. The opinions, let go of the opinions, not the people. Although sometimes you might want to let go of some of the people too. It doesn't matter what other people think. The only opinion that matters is your own. Okay, Chris, this is great. You've given us all this information. You're hammering it in, but how do we do it? A great way to start is, of course, with the little things. Pick a thought that is kind of nagging at you. Maybe you pick an acquaintance that you're not particularly fond of. You might want to write this out, actually. Put their name at the top of a piece of paper and write the thing that you don't like about them. Then below that, write why you don't like it. You might need to do another why after this why, and then take a new color and write a new changed thought. Okay, here's an example. Alice always shows up at school pickup with makeup on. It's ridiculous. We're just pretending Alex is another mom. Your why is not, why does she need to glam up? You're looking at, why does this bother you? You might find, if you're honest, you say something like, I feel like I won't look as pretty as as she does. Your new color thought could be, I have the choice to put makeup on too. Or you might need to explore your whys a a little bit further. It could look like, why do I care if people think she is prettier than me? And then that could be a call for you to reaffirm some self love. Write or say, I am beautiful. I am uniquely me. All of us are beautiful in our own way. Somebody else's beauty doesn't take away from mine. So you write the negative thought at the top. You write why it bothers you. You might need to do a why on that why. Do however many whys you need until you can get down to the release. And then you write a new thought and you can write that in another color so that it really stands out. And that's how you do thought work. It's a work in progress constantly. You will always be challenged with new scenarios and personalities and wild things that happen. That's why this work is so powerful. The more adept you become at it, the more you practice it, the more it becomes an automated behavior, a habit. And you guys know how I love habits. Go back to episodes one and two. Your brain will be triggered to automatically start applying the skills of looking to see if things matter. Remember always to be kind with yourself with your thoughts and feelings. The self-discovery is when you drop the judgment and instead add curiosity, kindness, and forgiveness is very freeing. You can let go of hurt and unhappiness from your past that holds you back in the present and from your future. Thought work starts with one step, the decision to do the work. An easy way to ease into it is to start with gratitude. Always with the gratitude, right? Well, yeah. Gratitude is the practice of pulling out and making space for your positive thoughts. That is thought work. It can calm and change your opinion of your day or of a person. 
It builds your awareness of your own thoughts and how you can adjust them to suit and support you. You are in charge of your story. Aren't you excited to write your next chapters? Go get it. Thanks for listening to A Little Bit Better. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find this podcast. Subscribe to A Little Bit Better so you never miss an episode. Share it with friends and family. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at This Is A Little Bit Better or find me online at a littlebitbetter.ca. I'd love to hear from you. And if you'd like information about coaching with me, please reach out. I am Chris Swale. I'm excited to connect again soon. So until next time, have fun being a little bit better.